0: Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.
1: San Antonio district judge resigns after a
0: federal corruption probe.
2: A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin.
1: Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish.
2: Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever
1: you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Hey, sir. what's up, guys? John Anik. Kenny Florian. Oh my God. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian.
0: And we hope you all had a great weekend. It is Monday, April 16th, 2018. Episode 152 of the Anakin Florian podcast. You got a couple hosts who feel like they got drilled by a linebacker this morning. So <laughs> you can imagine how Justin Gaethje and Dustin Poirier feel. But yeah. I hit that red eye right out of Arizona after the show. I know you've been on BattleBots duty. So uh, so you were burning that midnight oil watching this main card late Sunday evening just to be ready for the goddamn Anakin Florian podcast.
3: I got it, dude. I, I didn't want to be unprepared like sometimes. So uh, yeah, it- yeah.
0: So it's Patriots Day, right? Boston Marathon. You and I have talked in the past about running this thing. We are lifelong Bostonians. At least we lived our thirty uh, up until 30 years old or so mm-hmm. on the outskirts. Uh, so I suggested maybe 2019. I think that's going to be too soon, Kenny, for us to run the Boston Marathon. Dude, I've think, always man? wanted
3: to run it. I, I really have. Uh, maybe we should train for it. That would be cool. Raise some money for something. And I think uh,
0: maybe we'll train for a half, and then if we think we can <laughs> and extend And go from there. It, I mean – if our got knees got are still like,
3: connected, yeah, to our yeah, femurs or something. Exactly. Yeah.
0: I mean, you got guys like Cameron Haynes. Their average Tuesday is like running a marathon. Right. So I think we need to just conquer some inner demons and figure out yes. a way to do it. Maybe 2020 is more realistic. I know you got a baby. I might even have a third one coming. I'm not sure. So I think we should just Dude. table that goal yes. until 2020.
3: 2020 is realistic, I think. We could do it.
0: So, we won't have if, legs after, but... If- I know, we will not. And how about, how about the fact that I know you're sort of just getting up here, and it's early West Coast time, but I don't know if you've seen what's going on in Boston. The Patriots' day Red Sox game has already been canceled. It's 100% chance of rain. It's a mess. Yeah. So not a good day it's to cold run the Boston too. Marathon.
3: Wind, wind, yes. yeah.
0: 34 degrees for the Red Sox game at Fenway Park yesterday. So I'm glad Ish. that we did not choose 2018 to run the Boston Marathon. Yeah. Uh, but enough about that noise. So Chuck Mindenhall had a great piece at MMAfighting.com talking about Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, and hopefully our listeners all saw that main event on Fox this weekend. If not, uh, you missed a classic and certainly the frontrunner at least early on here in 2018 for Fight of the Year. But Chuck Mindenhall, sort of the thesis of his column really is, w- like when you take the pledge to fight Justin Gaethje, when you sign on the dotted line to fight to fight this lunatic, right, you know what you're getting into. And Dustin Poirier knew what he was getting into. Ultimately, he was the better man Saturday night. And and this really is the type of performance for Poirier that, for me, legends are made of. He has not fought for a UFC championship. He has not realized a UFC title. But in 20 UFC fights, what Dustin Poirier has done in terms of the finishes, the strength of schedule, uh, this is a signature win that, that really bolsters his legacy for me. And and I was just thankful to have that seat, man. I felt like I should have had to pay to have to have paid to be in the building saturday night
3: without a doubt first of all dustin poirier is a guy who has um sacrificed a lot just to get into the ufc uh, i've followed his career of cut weight with the kid um it's amazing to see his evolution as a fighter and i think yeah. in this performance against justin gaethje we need to also give credit to the eddie alvarez fight uh to the anthony pettis fight Um, And and the previous fights before that, because I think Dustin Poirier was learning a lot about his fighting spirit and what he's capable of. And over the course of those performances, I think he started to gain a tremendous amount of confidence in himself and what he's capable of. So I think heading into this Gaethje fight, um, him being the more technical fighter, and as you very intelligently mentioned, um, he knew what he was in for against Gaethje. He knew he was going to have to suffer um, right, minute right. after minute. And again, what was that like? Uh, Eighteen minutes of suffering or so, maybe a little bit less. <laughs> Anytime yeah. you're in there, you have to understand that real fact that when yeah. you face the ga- when you face a guy like a Justin Gaethje, um, you're going to have to walk through hell. Um And you could see that, that he was comfortable with that. He was the more active fighter. Um, He was landing the cleaner shots, in my opinion. Um, And, uh, man, as you said, yeah, he's he's turning into one of those must-see fighters.
0: I think he is, and Justin Gaethje already was that guy. And and I know MMA junkies John Morgan suggested you were going to need a category just for the non-Justin Gaethje fight of the year because – Every time – this, if this guy fights a couple times a year, you're almost guaranteed a fight of the year. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. And we could spend this entire opening segment and probably will on this fight and what it means for the landscape of this lightweight division. But I'm glad you talked about Dustin Poirier, the fighter, because he had to lean on that spirit a little bit. But let's talk about the fighter here and the evolution. I mean this is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt who – is an outstanding striker. I mean, he landed something like 170, Kenny, of 270 significant strike attempts. He's very accurate, and we're going to talk to Dean Thomas, one of the American top team coaches later, and he's going to tell you, Kenny, the accuracy, the ability for Dustin to keep his chin tucked and to keep his eyes lasered on the target. He stares exactly where he's going to hit and then hits you there. And it was incredible to sit octagon side and watch Justin Gaethje absorb all this head trauma upstairs and walk through those shots. Finally, early fourth round, he could take no more. And for Dustin Poirier, Kenny, at the end of the second round, wasn't a great visual on the stool, obviously. You know, I think some people thought maybe at that point he was a broken fighter if you didn't know the guy and understand what he was made of. But he had to dig real deep in that third round and then obviously gets him out of there in the fourth. But just a tremendous fight. And and really, I think for an MMA fan, it – It didn't have a lot of grappling, obviously, but it had everything you could possibly be looking for and everything that that drew a lot of us into this sport to begin with. To me, this
3: indicated that uh, Dustin Poirier was trained very well for this fight. Um, Mm -hmm. It looked like he knew that he was going to have to fight for the majority of this fight going backwards um, and in the pocket. Um, And you could tell he was prepared because it was the jab for me that was the big indicator. He was able to keep um Gaethje on the outside repeatedly and I think that's what threw uh Gaethje off uh, and it didn't it allowed it didn't allow him for him uh to come forward like he wanted to um Gaethje as as tough as he is and as hard as he hits. Um, in regards to his boxing, when he gets in the pocket and he starts to grab that collar tie and he and he reverts to his dirty boxing he's extremely effective and he will knock anyone or can knock anyone or or everyone out from that position he's he's brutal there but when he's just on the outside of that when he's not totally in the pocket, I'm not sure he's really looking at his target he's just trying to knock something. Off your shoulders, you know what I mean? He's just kind of swinging, whereas Dustin Poirier was very specifically looking for that jab. He was looking for targets. He was keeping Gaethje on the outside. He was looking for combinations and not just one-shot knockouts. Um, he was moving a a little bit better. At times, got caught just moving straight back. But laterally, he was moving very well. Now, Gaethje was cutting off the cage and stopping that lateral movement with his leg kicks that were absolutely brutal. And as many as Gaethje threw, I thought he should have thrown even more, especially to the outside. He was hitting the inside. And, of course, we know that they are opposite stance fighters. However, uh, I thought Gaethje should have gone to the outside of the leg a little bit more as well.
0: Yeah. And if you looked look at the damage Jim Miller did three fights ago against Dustin Poirier to the lower part of that leg, that was a lot harder for Dustin Poirier yes. to walk on and put pressure on. And even if you saw Dustin Poirier on Instagram, I believe today, putting the pictures out his there leg. of his leg, but doesn't look as bad as a lot of legs we've seen, Kenny. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? It really – he seemed to, you're right, not necessarily attack both sides of it, and there was a time in the middle of that fight that he stopped going to it a little bit.
3: Yeah, no, with, without a doubt, and Gaethje is a, a brutal leg kicker. He, he's very well known for that as well, um, right. and wasn't able to get that dirty boxing going as much as he liked because of that jab of Dustin Poirier. I thought that he really did his homework. He did a good job, um, and again, it was an action-packed fight. It, Gaethje is going to make you fight. The the pressure that he puts on you is just phenomenal, and and Dustin Poirier seemed to have an answer every single time out.
0: So we had our fighter meeting Thursday, and Daniel Cormier said to Gaethje, your style is not one that lends itself to longevity, and obviously that's a narrative that Justin Gaethje has heard for quite some time. This is his style, and it's not as though he set out to be this type of fighter Mm -hmm. necessarily, Kenny, but Mm -hmm. he is so fearful of wrestling fatigue. And what offensive wrestling is going to do to his gas tank? These are his words, not mine. That – It has created this type of fighter, and he wrestled in the state championship four times in that arena in Glendale, Arizona, lost as a freshman and sophomore, won state championships as a junior and senior. His best wrestling days were at 157 pounds. Kenny, he could easily make featherweight, right? Mm -hmm. Much easier cut to 145 pounds for someone like Gaethje than someone like Dustin Poirier, who still to this day is on the all-time wins list at 145 pounds before he moved back up. Justin Gage, he doesn't cut a lot of weight. He's afraid that his cardio is going to abandon him. Certainly it didn't this night, right? I mean, the conditioning was there for both guys. They absorbed a lot of damage on both sides. I don't know that even if you saw some guys breathing deeply, you could chalk that up to a lack of work in the gym. And even as Justin said, he did everything, running, biking, swimming. Every He did everything he could to win this fight. I think he just ran into the better man you know?
3: He ran into a more technical fighter, absolutely. I, I think Dustin was the more technical fighter. He was landing uh, a good combination from the outside. He was just a little bit more accurate. That left hand that he threw was set up by a jab. He kind of slipped off at an angle. Gechi did not see that left hand coming. Uh, it seemed like he ran into a wall. It was the left hand of Dustin Poirier that stumbled him. And, and then Dustin very calmly and-, and-, and being as composed as he was finished him off and um, I thought Herb Dean did a good job of stopping that fight.
0: And there were eye pokes in a lot of different directions yes. we could go within the yeah. fight. But as far as Poirier is concerned, Kenny, for the sake of time, 20th fight in the UFC. He said afterwards to me in the octagon, I've been knocked out, climbed back over and over again, two weight classes, Dana, Sean, Khabib, let's fucking go, it's time. And as I tweeted this morning, Kenny, I think the calendar and the circumstances right now could align for Dustin Poirier at 155 pounds. It seems like Khabib Nurmagomedov's calendar is November I'm not sure Tony Ferguson, given his recent knee surgery, would be ready in time. We don't know exactly what's going to go on with Conor McGregor. But if there's no suspension for his antics in New York, prevailing wisdom is that he would be ready and willing by November, even though maybe Conor would want to fight sooner. Uh, There is this cloud and maybe clouds. Definitely the wrong word, but this rematch between Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier. This is a rematch that Poirier called for several times in the past. If you recall, Poirier wanted to coach on the Ultimate Fighter opposite Eddie Alvarez. That opportunity went to Justin Gaethje, who has now been knocked out by both of these guys, Alvarez and Poirier. I understand there's unfinished business there, but I understand why for Dustin Poirier that wouldn't be a priority now. He wanted that before main eventing and beating Anthony Pettis and Justin Gaethje back-to-back. I think you strike while the iron's hot. He has never had a championship opportunity. Eddie has been the champion. He has defended the title, albeit losing it in that first defense. Mm -hmm. To me, Poirier is fresh blood. I can understand why Dana White would be interested. And even though Habib presents the toughest matchup for him in this division, I wouldn't be surprised to see Poirier actually get a title shot. Your thoughts?
3: Yeah, and he's cruised past Eddie Alvarez at this point because it was Eddie that didn't want to fight Poirier. uh, And Eddie has been calling for a title shot and. You know, in my opinion, I think Dustin Poirier is the guy who who deserves it above him. And at 155, my buddy Kenneth was like, "Hey, what what are they going to do, man? Now, now that Dustin won, who's going to fight for the belt?" I said, "I have no idea. Could because yeah. we have Tony Ferguson, obviously, who who deserves that shot. Is the UFC going to make this? Is going to try to make this fight for the fifth time? I, I are, are, they gonna, are they going to Are they going to try <laughs> to sell?" to the fans that oh no guys it's the fifth time I, this right. time we're serious right. nothing's <laughs> gonna happen we swear we're gonna have them train in, in a big bounce we're gonna keep them nice yeah. and safe and, and they'll be it's it's tough it, it, it's re it's a tough sell man I hear um you. so okay H- Habib, and, and what's connor gonna do connor's Conor wants to fight Mayweather, and Mayweather wants to fight in the octagon with no shoes, and basically he wants a oh boxing fight in the octagon. Dude, get out of here. It's yeah, not happening. Deep. You're Angry. fighting an MMA fight or not. Otherwise, Conor would have kicked you in the face in a boxing match. Like, yeah, I'll fight you in a boxing match except no shoes. We can knee, elbow, and kick. How's that? Yeah. It's, I, r- uh, it's ridiculous. Man
0: absurd right so that is and of course the wild card in all of this is nate diaz because he moves the needle uh, and even though most would argue at least on paper not as deserving of a title fight as dustin poirier or eddie alvarez or certainly uh the former ufc interim lightweight champion tony ferguson but it's not to say that eddie alvarez on paper isn't worthy of a championship opportunity right now i just believe promotionally and this is just speculation. It's not even informed speculation, but that they viewed the Poirier-Alvarez fight more as a win for Dustin, given the way it ended. And if they tried to make that rematch, I don't know. I think that Mm -hmm. was more about giving Gaethje a high-profile opportunity to coach on the Ultimate Fighter. But given what Poirier has done since, I think he's hard to deny if Tony and Connor are not available. So... I don't know. The other people in the mix are, are Edson Barboza and Kevin Lee, and they fight this weekend in Atlantic City. So either way, Dustin Poirier has put himself in a good spot. And I agree. As he, as he said to us, Kenny, on this show three or four weeks ago, the toughest fight for him at 155 pounds is Khabib Nurmagomedov. So, I guess if your team Poirier, unfortunately, when your guy seems to be rising to the top of this division or close to it, the guy who's the champion uh, is this suffocating wrestler grappler uh, that provides the toughest matchup for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he's worthy, you know?
3: I, I agree. And I think this was a great result for him. Um, again, not only as a guy that the UFC can rely on. Uh, that's going to show up and, and fight his ass off. Um, but just based on what he's done, look who he's beaten. Uh, look yeah. his, look at his consistency as far as, you know, the, the excitement that he brings and, and the wins that he's been uh, bringing into the equation. I, I think right now he's kind of rise to the top. We don't know what's going to happen with Conor. Uh, Tony's out for a while. I, I don't think they're going to try to make that fight. not Not right. this close anyway, not on this kind of turnaround. So uh, he's put himself in an excellent position.
0: So uh, an amazing main event, an amazing result for Dustin Poirier. And quickly before we spin it to Carlos Condit and Alex Cowboy Oliveira, a last word flow from you on Justin Gaethje. I mean, this guy is the fucking man. All right. And, you know, like whatever the price is, like if I'm doing something else five years from now, I hope that's not the case. Right. Like I will fly to where he's fighting and I will pay for a good seat. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I just have so much respect for this guy. And I know people would like to see him maybe tweak his style a little bit. And certainly there are flaws. And, and you bring yeah. up things that don't even relate to wrestling, Kenny. I understand. Just dirty boxing a little bit more. Committing to tactics lower to the body. All of that stuff. But, man, I, you know, I just I feel privileged to be able to watch this guy compete. And, again, I've said a million times it's a toughness mentally, physically that I can't relate to. But, Justin Gaethje ladies and gentlemen unbelievable
3: it's amazing he's able to walk with those bowling ball sized balls he's got in there because (laughs) it's it's insane uh no he's he's a tough guy man he's as tough as they come and uh, again you know a lot of times when you get these fights uh that get put together like a Poirier and a Gaethje which gets everyone excited um Sometimes it doesn't always pan out. You see something crappy happen or, you know, we see an early stoppage or some freak accident. This one delivered. We got over 15 minutes of action, Um, so we were into those fourth and fifth rounds. That will go down as an absolute classic, and um, Gaethje is a big part of that. Gaethje is a guy who will always force you to fight. He's going to test your will. He's going to test your conditioning. He's going to test your chin um and as far as i'm concerned he's one of the most exciting fighters we've seen in the ufc as far as delivering a fight something that is going to get your adrenaline pumping um and that at the end of the day is what a fan is there for they're there for excitement so um you know uh, gaichi his nickname should be mr entertainment man he's he's a maniac He, he, he he really is a savage and uh he's an inspirational figure i think in mixed martial arts as well because yeah he, he he possesses every quality that you think of when you think of fighter
0: no doubt about it man and i don't know what he's worth right i just know that for me he's always worth, worth the price of admission yeah i'm telling you double it because he can't he can't the,
3: the answer to your question when, when dc asked Him? How long can he do this or what's his longevity like as a professional mixed martial arts fighter? I think he knows that it's not long. I think he knows that he can't do that for a while. What is he going to do? He's just going to deliver exciting fights while he can. And I hope he
0: gets paid handsomely for it. And as Dustin Poirier said to us, you invoke the word maniac, right? He breaks guys who are just like, Man, this guy's a maniac. I gotta get out of here. You know? And whether I mean it's a guy who will finish he'll kick in your leg and just make you not want any more. He suffers better than
3: you, is what it is. He does. He does.
0: (laughs) And I think he finally Found somebody, and he found Eddie Alvarez was sure. the cut from that cloth too. But in Dustin Poirier, that knew he was going to have to potentially leave a piece of himself inside that octagon, he was willing to do so, and and he leaves with uh, with arguably the biggest win of his MMA career. Uh, that brings us to Alex Cowboy Oliveira, who sends Carlos <coughs> Condit to 7-8 and eight in the UFC, which is just absolutely incredible that the former UFC interim welterweight champ Carlos Condit, the natural-born killer, uh, your neighbor's favorite fighter, could be 7-8 and eight in the UFC. And this one had a lot of layers to it, but I guess let's start with the end of the fight. Um, Carlos Condit submitted with a guillotine choke, Kenny. He was out. Now, I didn't know as it was going on, but I can tell you in talking to his coaches after the fact, Kenny, that Carlos Condit was out. And when the choke was readjusted, he came to. So I want to get your thoughts on the end of the fight, but I think Ray Longo is here. So we're going to table that thought for a second and tell you that the Anakin Florian podcast comes to you in part from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. They understand that home plays a big role in your life and family. That's why they created Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. It's simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your tenth with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. It's convenient. Our trusted partners allow you to share your financial information with Rocket Mortgage at the touch of a button, and in addition to getting a real mortgage approval in minutes, you can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you're getting the right solution for you. Rocket Mortgage, buy quick and loans, apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash rocketmortgage.com ANIK, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, and MLSConsumerAccess.org, number 3030. All right, let's get to Longo.
1: It's now time for the Ray Longo Minutes. I'm to punch a hole in this fucking chest.
2: That's what I want.
1: The Ray Longo minute. John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast.
0: See, the folks at Quick and Loan said, I know the New Yorker doesn't like sitting on hold, but we want to lead into the Ray Longo Minute. So, you know, we're just trying to take care of the sponsors and trying to take care of Longo today. We told you you didn't have to be on camera. I know you're a little bit under the weather. Uh, we don't usually love gum chewing on the radio, but but how are you, man?
2: Right, hold on, excuse me. Excuse me, I feel bad. I'm gum chewing. Hold on. Gum is yes, out. Yes,
0: the gum is out if you're just ingesting this with your ears and not your eyes. Uh, How you doing, man?
2: Yeah, a little under the weather. It's shitty day here in Long Island, and uh, that's it. I'm trying to just, I want to regroup, and I got a big weekend this weekend, so I want to lay low a little bit and
0: make sure I'm healthy for the weekend. And I know you have three guys competing at UFC Atlantic City. Before we get there, uh, did you watch the main event on Fox Saturday night between Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje?
2: Oh yeah, definitely. I definitely saw that. I'm not going to forget it.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, w- what are you thinking as that is playing out? Are you just thinking that that Gaethje's a maniac and and Poirier yeah. obviously has evolved not, tremendously? What, what are thinking, you thinking as thinking a coach, Gaethje. as a fan, when when a fight like that is going down?
2: Yeah, I'm not thinking Gaethje's a maniac. I'm knowing Gaethje's a maniac. <laughs> uh, you know when I tell you, I had, I thought Gaethje, I had Gaethje winning the fight, I thought he was going to win, but uh, I thought he was going to make some adjustments from the Eddie Alvarez fight, and he didn't make any adjustments, and I just, I don't know, man, that's a tough dude who throws with bad intentions, but that guy's on a one-way street to CTEville. ville -ville, man, he's got to really be careful, he's taking way too many shots, and I don't even think he has to, but after listening to him talk, you know, it looks like that's what he wants to do. He wants to entertain people. He's got five fights to go. And, uh, man, I hope he's getting paid well because I think he's he's taking too much punishment at this point, you know, just in his last three fights alone. And that style is exciting as hell. Who doesn't want to see it? But not at the expense of this guy getting hurt.
3: Yeah, that's a tough one for me, too, Ray. Uh, obviously, he's delivering excitement, and I don't know what he's getting paid. What What would you tell a- a fellow What would you not a fellow fighter, but one of your one of your guys? What would you tell one of your fighters?
2: Yeah, here's the here's the deal because I think look, we know Trevor Whitman's a technical striking coach. That's yeah. the crazy part to right. me. Right. You saw what Rose did with uh, Joanna, so that's not the problem. It's that, and I had a guy like that who was I'm not saying was as good of a wrestler, but pretty close. Man, did not want to wrestle, yeah, you know? mm-hmm. for some reason, and he had a cardio for days, but his chin started going too, man. It's just, yeah. it's a crazy thing. I think it's what he wants to do. I don't think it has anything to do with the coaching. I think they would love to get him a little more technical. Uh, but he chooses to, you know, go in there and do his thing. If he if he would have employed, imagine if that guy was wrestling in that fight. He wins that fight easily, probably, if he mixes in the wrestling. So that, that part I don't get. I mean, if he's got to win a show money and win money, then I really don't get it. If he's getting a flat fee, eh, maybe kind of get it. You know, he wants to be exciting. He's kind of stating that. But, I mean, look, he's tough as nails, but it's not going to last forever. And that's that's the problem, man. I just think he's, for the sake of being entertaining, he's really sacrificing his body at this point.
3: Yeah, your health, your health is uh... – is pretty, is worth something yeah. for sure. Uh, yeah. Ray, one of your fighters does have a fight coming up. Aljo, first of all, I hope you haven't gotten him sick. Stay away from him. I mean, come I, on, uh, Definitely.
2: You know what? I was, I with, mean, him and Marab- I was with him and Marab <laughs> last night. I felt great. So I'm hoping that whatever I think I have, I don't have. But, uh, Maybe they I'm gave it a- to
3: you. Who knows?
2: Nah, a lot of people in the gym were sick. So all right. I-, I, got a- I got a hit list of people I'm going after if I get sick. This. But, uh, <laughs> How's he I-
3: feeling, man? How's he feeling for his fight?
2: Everybody feels great. Everybody's healthy. Everybody feels great. I think they all have tough fights, and uh, it's going to be a great night Saturday. I think three guys are coming to fight, so it's, it's, it's good. Everybody had a good camp. Again, they're healthy. As long as the weight cut goes good, everybody will be in that octagon at, at 100%.
0: So you got Aljamain Sterling taking on Brett Johns. Brett Johns coming off that calf slicer win over Joe Soto. He's 15-0. and 0. No betting lines on these fights because it's the beginning of the week. You got your guy, Uluka Sasaki, taking on Magomed Bibulatov. How, how do you communicate with Sasaki? Is there somebody there uh, 24-7 when you're working with him, or do, or do you just sort of keep it to fight talk and you have codes?
2: Uh, no, it's fight talk and it's demonstration. And he's not, you know... It's a little weird, but every so often the uh, the interpreter does come in. And then when I talk to the interpreter, he is on the game plan. So he does understand what's going on. So um, I'm not worried about that. And the, the interpreter will be in the corner also. So uh, he's a great kid, man. I really like this guy. Uh, I don't think he has a good record in the UFC, but he's very, very talented. I I, I hope he sticks to what we're doing, and I think he'll have a great showing.
0: Somebody growing up in Japan, Longo's voice must sound like butter to Uluka Sasaki. He's got, great, <laughs> oh, no, he's got a great,
2: He's a great. Have you ever talked to him? Have you ever even? He's a really sweet kid, man. He's he's always laughing and bowing. I don't know. He's 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 great energy in the gym.
0: And he's got a great fl- frame for that division, as we've said. He's got a lot of length to him. He's fighting Magomed Bibulatov, who. You know, Ray, of course, because you've been getting ready for this fight. He was 14-0 and 0 flow before he got knocked out by John Moraga back in October. Yes. He was a minus 600 favorite that night. So Vegas says you guys could have your hands full. I got to think you'll be the underdog in that one. And then real quick, Morab Davalishvili, so he dropped his UFC debut. It was a split decision against Frankie Signs in December. Close fight, could have gone his way. And he was to face Augusto Tanquinho mendez here this weekend. He got flagged by USADA, I think. So you take on the UFC newcomer Ricky Simon, who has a win over Chico Camus. What, what can you tell us about what Marab's going to face this weekend? Anything?
2: marab has got a really, you know, this kid looks well-rounded everywhere. He's a young kid. Uh, it looks like he's got great stand-up. He's a wrestler. Uh, you know, he'll put the takedowns in. I think that's going to be a barn burner, man. I really do, because Marab's healthy, and when he's healthy, man, he's got one speed. I mean, he was maybe at 60% with uh, Frankie Science, who's tough as hell, and he didn't stop in that fight. Right. I don't know how he did it, because I knew, you know what he went through before the fight, but he's healthy now. So I expect 15 minutes of, of hell from that
0: kid. All right, man. Well, if you want to get any bets in on your guys, uh, I got a guy. So we'd be happy to take your action uh, depending on where those numbers fall. So let me know. I hope you feel better. I appreciate you carving out a few minutes nonetheless. And, and let's make it 3-0 this weekend. Let's go. I know Sasaki's up uh, against it, but let's go.
2: That would be great. And that guy you have, he doesn't have a headset on with a baseball cap on, does he? That's not the guy that I'm looking at right now. Is he the no. guy? No
0: comment. No comment. No comment. <laughs>
2: Anyway, all right, guys, thanks a lot, man. I will uh, we'll talk after this weekend. I'm very excited.
0: Heal up, dude.
2: Take it thanks a lot, man.
0: There he is, the Ray Longo minute dating to episode one on the Anakin Florian podcast. So I was setting things up flow on Alex Cowboy Olivera and Carlos Condit. I yes. have it on good authority that Condit was out. He actually had a dream before Cowboy readjusted the choke, Kenny and yeah. resubmitted it and then ultimately Condit tapped. So not the easiest thing for a broadcaster. Referees aren't always in the right position or saying the right things verbally to the fighter or trying to work the limb. But my my 85th degree Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt Kenny Florian was not sitting to my immediate right. So your thoughts on what Condit was going through and and what Cowboy Oliveira was feeling underneath him.
3: Yeah, um yeah, no, I, th- I think that oh, first of all it was funny hearing DC and Don <laughs> discuss yeah. whether he was out yeah. or not. To me, when a guy isn't moving and he's limped over, to me he's out. Now, there was one thing that was that happened before that. It was the upkick. So, I, yes. in my opinion, what got the finish was the upkick because Carlos would never in my opinion, I-, I don't think a high-level fighter like that would give up a guillotine like that unless he was hurt. And I think the up kick hurt him. He was rocked. He wasn't all the way there. Uh, Alex Oliveira is a very strong guy. Um, And he had that guillotine pretty tight. He was squeezing it. Uh, Carlos Condit looked like he was out to me. Um, There was a point where Alex started going kind of to the wrong side, and he kind of had to readjust And then you see Carlos kind of started moving again. It looked like a period he was maybe out for like two seconds. He started adjusting it again. And then it looked like Carlos came back to life. And he started raising his head up a little bit. And then you could see he just had no life in him uh, left. And he just decided to tap. He was just on a a weird angle. um, And it seemed like he could have escaped. But it makes sense considering he he was already out. He was like, okay, I I can't deal with this anymore.
0: And if you're Alex Cowboy Oliveira, you've got to keep fighting. I know some are going yeah. to criticize him. But no what way. John Jones did against Leoto Machida, you can also do that, right? I would assume if you feel the body go Just limp, dangerous. granted, that was different because Machida was in a standing position. Right. And, of course, you run the risk of letting the guy out of the choke, right? But if you feel Condit go soft, then I guess you can hold back. And then the lifeless body at that point in time would result in the referee coming in. But either way… Cowboy wins here, Kenny, as a two-to-one favorite, and he accepted this fight on short notice. He thought he was going to fight May 12th in Rio de Janeiro at UFC 224, but he did not have a fight scheduled, I don't believe. So he was in good enough shape. He was 203 pounds, so he had only been training for 10 days or so, but made it so that the cut wasn't too bad. He's long. He's strong. Vegas knows he was supposed to win this fight. Condit obviously has struggled and has only fought a couple times in the last year and a half, two years or so. But for Carlos Condit, Kenny, where does he go from here? You know, most of his opponents in the UFC and the WEC have been able to take him down at at points in the fight. You know, some suggested and I did on the broadcast that the scowl was back. I think the motivation was back. Condit is the father of two. His kids have have demanded a lot of time from him, and that's where he wants to be spending his time. But what would you tell a 33-year-old Carlos Condit who still loves to do this? Um, but is now staring at four straight losses and, and not a lot of answers for certain styles in there, at least given the recent film we have.
3: Right. Well, I actually thought Carlos Conte looked way better than he did in his last fight. Um, yep. it, it looked like, as you said, he had that kind of fire back. I didn't see that fire in the last fight. Um and you know, typically he he makes mistakes. He's a slow starter. You know, it takes him a little bit to get warmed up, and he was just getting warmed up um, until he ate that up kick, and then kind of that shifted the momentum back into Oliver's side, which allowed him to get the guillotine. Um, listen, I think you got to let him fight one more. I think you got to let him fight one more just to see uh, is that the case. Now the problem is do you want to be that guy that is the stepping stone for the young fighter coming up? You know, right. that, that that's the hardest thing for me in this sport is when you get a guy who went from being elite, one of the top three uh, guys in the division, to now being a gatekeeper. Right. You know, and, and that that's the sad thing for me, to, to see a guy like Carlos Condit, who I thought was a, you know, a, a great fighter, a, a guy that I, I thought was... You know, talk about Mr. Excitement. He always delivered, uh, Uh, always came to fight. He was a finisher, Um, you know, fought for the belt, former world champion over in the WEC. Uh, Been doing this a very long time. Uh, Was a part of this sport when no one was really watching. So, yeah, uh, this is a tough one for me. But I I think, again, given his situation, he does have two kids. He has a family he has to get, you know, uh, he has to take care of give him one more fight to see to see how he does here um you know i, I, don't I even... wish him the best he's a good dude
0: He's a great dude. And you're right. In a lot of respects, he was Gaethje before Justin Gaethje in the UFC, just in terms of his mass appeal and and how much his fellow fighters appreciated his style yeah. and what he brought to the octagon. It's just amazing how this narrative, though, could be for Carlos Condit. A lot of people talk about the, the split decision lost to Robbie Lawler at UFC 195 that would have made him the undisputed UFC welterweight champion when he head kick rock George St. Pierre. I think UFC 154. Yes. Right after becoming the interim champ with the win over Nick Diaz. I mean, you're talking about a guy who at one point was on the fast track to the UFC Hall of Fame, and I don't want to sit here and say that he has fought his way out of the Hall of Fame, but I'm not sure. Like, Diego Sanchez is getting in, right? right. Does that mean Carlos Condit is getting in? Carlos Condit had a belt around his waist, right? So yeah. I don't know. I don't know if Carlos Condit's a Hall of Famer. I think he probably is, but I think to say that his status is gate- gatekeeper right now is not insulting him either. I and right. you know he 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 was supposed to fight Matt Brown. This is a different stylistic challenge. I think if he can wait for Matt Brown to heal from the torn ACL, that yeah. fight would still have a lot of legs yes. and and I would say Kenny ultimately even without asking Carlos Condit, I know he's going to want at least one more.
3: Yeah, you know, you got to beat Alex Oliveira. And this is no this no offense to Alex Oliveira, but those yeah. are the guys you got to beat. Like, you know, he he's He's a guy that, for Carlos Condit, if you look at what they've done in this sport, Carlos Condit should get a win over Cowboy Olivera right. every single time out. And I don't, so, yeah. So I, I think those odds that were formulated for this fight, right. I don't think were so accurate.
0: Yeah, well, right. And and I, I don't know if you saw my tweet, but I was surprised that it was that wide. Like yeah. if you had asked me before the fight, I th- I would have thought it would have been maybe a pick 'em. Um, I wouldn't think Carlos Condo would be plus 170. And then the sharp money pushed him even north of that, closing it like plus 180. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of that was rooted in the fact that we knew Alex Cowboy Oliveira had taken the fight on short notice. But, uh, Oliveira mixed it up and is able to get the first guillotine choke of his career all right this episode of the Anakin Florian podcast brought to you in part by forhims.com. hims.com flow you may not want to hear this 66 percent of men lose their hair by age 35 and we have a good buddy who listens to this show I'm not going to say his name but he refuses to shave his head he, he's just going to either go down swinging or figure out a solution and the good news for him is there are options if you want to do something about this, and I'm not talking about some of those weird solutions that guys turn to that involve spray and bald spots. The solution is 4 a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. 4 combats baldness the right way. It's backed by science and connects you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss. No waiting rooms, shady doctor visits down a back alley. Just go to 4 F-O-R-H-I-M-S.com, and take action today. It's that easy. The products will be brought directly to your door. So order now. Our listeners will get a, fr- a free trial month of 4 Hymns for just $5 today Order now while supplies last. See the website for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy. So go to forhims.com slash Florian. That's F O R H I M S.com slash Florian. Forhims.com slash Florian. All right, now with us on the guest line, thankfully, a man with still a full head of lettuce and not a gray one among them. Another big weekend for American top team. There he is, UFC veteran, outstanding coach. Pretty decent guy as well, Dean Thomas in all his glory. My man, it's good to see you. You make Ken flo smile. I know he's tired. So thank you for coming on, my man.
4: <laughs> well, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be on the show with you, gentlemen, and I'm just glad to be here. How often do you get a
0: haircut, man?
4: Oh, me? Yeah, I-, I get a haircut like once a week. You know, brothers, we need haircuts once a week. You know, that. <laughs> and I know, John, you probably need a haircut. You
0: got short hair. You probably need a haircut yeah, once man. a week, too. I do. We know Ken Flo doesn't cut it unless he has to because you know the Ken lettuce Flo, pays the bill. Kempflo's
4: hair gets makes his own appointments or when it wants a
0: haircut. <laughs> exactly, it cuts itself. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so before we get to Shoeface, Antonio Carlos Jr. and the outstanding work you did with him this weekend, I want to start with Dustin Poirier. I got to think you guys feel pretty lucky to have this guy representing ATT. Hard worker. Uh, And really, I think, starting to to reap the benefits that all of that hard work was working towards, you know?
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, Dustin is a tremendous athlete, uh, a tremendous fighter. I mean, he was he was the type of guy that was born to fight. And his performance this weekend for me is one of his better performances. It was legendary. And and just, you know, he, he is what younger fighters need to look up to. When it comes to building a career, I mean, here's a guy who's had his ups and downs, but never let that hold him back. Never let him, never let it set him back. And uh, I feel like, you know, it's his time right now. Like he's he's done so much in the sport, but he's still it's still his time right now.
0: And I know among your bigger takeaways from that performance was just the striking accuracy and just the pistons being thrown in Gaethje's face. Not that you were surprised, but Dustin landed at, at a high clip over sixty five percent. And, uh, and and certainly had his way and had the hands go on Saturday.
1: Yeah
4: you know I've always felt like Dustin was an extremely accurate puncher um, but what surprised me more so than that was his defense really and not being hit as much as, uh, as I thought he might that I thought he might be capable of being hit and that's not sure. to disrespect Dustin. it's just he said he was going to work on his defense and it clearly showed that he really did work on his defense now obviously the leg kicks were a problem. But uh, his ability to not take a lot of like crazy punishment upstairs is what really stood out to me with the way this fight played out.
3: Yeah, that was a huge difference, man, because sometimes Dustin does get caught in playing the other fighters game. I, I don't think he did that in this one, although it was a crazy fight. Um, he, he showed that he was the more technical guy and he was very disciplined in his approach. Was that a big part of you guys, you know, coaching him, saying, listen, you got to be super disciplined, do not play Gaethje's
4: crazy brawling game? Yeah, that, I mean, that's always been Dustin's problem. Everybody knows that, is that when he gets a little too emotional, he always ends up fighting the other guy's fight. Yeah. And the one thing that we focused on with Dustin was, you know, keeping him calm and keeping him, keeping him focused and, and disciplined, like you said, Kenny. And I think that discipline was the deciding factor in this fight because he never really got out of pocket. He never got out of form. He stayed true to what he knew he could do, and that was box. And his boxing looked tremendous. I mean, he was hitting him with combinations. He was sticking and moving. He never really got touched up too bad upstairs. He took a couple shots, but not too bad, considering it was a crazy fight. Uh, With the exception of the leg kicks, I thought he looked fantastic.
3: Yeah, it seemed like the damage was probably just from those those eye pokes more than anything else upstairs. But, um, you know, Dean, I wanted to talk to you about Amanda Nunez and her fight coming up against uh, Raquel Pennington. Um, is there any bad blood at all? Obviously, Tisha Torres used to train with you guys. Is there any animosity going on between those two or no?
4: No, it's weird. Um, it's crazy because, like, when they came, like, Tisha Torres and Raquel was down here maybe a month ago, mm-hmm. and they were all hanging out. Wow. Um, it's weird that that you have a relationship like this where these two fighters, like they really legitimately like each other. Mm. I don't think that you're going to see any trash talk or anything like that. These are two fighters that like each other. But I know that Amanda, she, she doesn't want to give her belt away that easily. Yeah. Even though I think she, she holds Raquel true to her heart, she's still going to try to take her head off.
3: <laughs> That's for sure, man. That's what makes her so exciting. Uh, how is she training for this fight?
4: She, you know, she does her own thing, really. I mean, Mm. she's, you know, Amanda's always been the type of fighter who kind of wakes up in the morning and goes, this is what I want to do today. Mm. Call this person, get them in the gym right now, and we're going to work. And I think she fights better when she does that. I don't think she likes to be led too much. I think that's been her problems in the past where she allowed people to dictate her training a little too much. And when when they dictated her training, I don't think she was, you know, she stayed, uh, I don't think she felt positivity in camp because she felt like people were just trying to dominate her. Uh, when she when she's able to kind of have some say in what she does in her training, she's a really hard worker. She'll put in extra rounds. She'll do more than you ask of her when you allow her to kind of dictate what she wants to do, believe it or not. When she says, hey, listen, let's come in and do five rounds, she'll give you ten. And uh, yeah. and that's kind of what she's doing in this camp. Is she's just she's in the gym every day working really hard and, and pushing herself. But for a fighter like that, she needs to be able to push, push herself and not allow others to push her.
0: Yeah. No, that's well put. And it is an interesting dynamic to that fight because Rocky Pennington does not strike me as somebody who would want to be buddy-buddy with their opponent, but given that the, they have sort of a pre-existing relationship uh there's only so much you can do uh Dean Thomas with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast so final thought on Dustin Poirier in terms of this 155 pound division because even though some might say maybe one more the Eddie Alvarez rematch and I can understand why people would have that line of thinking um I say strike now go for the Khabib Nurmagomedov fight you believe that is the toughest fight for Dustin in the division that matchup with Khabib Nurmagomedov
4: yeah, I mean, with Khabib style, he's just the toughest matchup for anybody in the division because, you know, nobody has found a way to keep him off of them, and once he gets on you, it's just it's just really difficult to get him off. Um, he's going to be the toughest fight for Dustin right now, but like you said, I mean, if, you know, if Dustin can take that fight, it's a gamble. Obviously, it's a gamble. If he wins, he's the champ. If he loses, I don't think he loses anything in terms of his of his status or. Right. Or his perception from anybody. So I feel like he could take that fight and uh and just take that gamble. Just take that you know, it's his time right now. He's positive. Get that fight if he can. And if he loses, hey, there's always a rematch with Eddie Alvarez. And then you got a lot of top uh competitors that make a good fight with him. Maybe the winner of Barbosa and uh and Kevin Lead this right. next weekend coming up. So yeah, I think it's a good opportunity to fight Khabib right now though.
0: Yeah, and I, I do believe the Alvarez rematch will be there. And the way things go, you never know. His next fight could be against Eddie for the UFC's Interim Lightweight Championship, right? I mean, you just don't know. So congratulations to Dustin. Now, you were in Glendale uh, to corner Antonio Carlos Jr. What a night for Shoeface! Cara De Sapachi submits Tim Boach, fifth consecutive win. Your thoughts on this win but also big picture how far this guy can go because I think a lot of us are starting to get excited that he can really make a run here at 85. Yeah, I think he can
4: make a run. I mean, you know, Tim Boach was a good opponent for him just based on style style matchups. A lot of people – see, here's the thing with, with Antonio's style is that he's really, really, really good at jiu-jitsu, and most guys aren't that good at jiu-jitsu. So, like, you know, when you're in, in practice and you're training, like, defenses to the rear naked escape, rear naked choke escape, you will never get a guy like Shoeface on your back to mimic him. So you can get out of right. a regular person's choke, or you can get out of a regular person's mount. But when you ha- when you're as detailed and as skilled as Antonio Carlos Jr., it's very difficult to mimic that. So it's hard to find people to train with to be prepared for a guy like him. And because of that reason, I feel like he can go extremely far in this game. And his striking is coming along. He's just naturally heavy-handed and. He kicks really hard, and people have underestimated that. I think now they're starting to open their eyes up to it. When he fought Jack Marshman, Jack Marshman was like, wow, I was surprised how good your striking was. Tim Bosch obviously felt the same same as well. He's not just a jiu-jitsu guy because he hits really hard, though.
0: So I know you guys didn't call anybody out, and certainly that is not Shoeface's calling to get on a mic and start barking for names. I do think, as I told you, though, at the airport, I think he's starting to get that requisite mean streak that I think you need to take your shots at the elite guys. You mentioned Brad Tavares, and, and the other middleweights to win fights on this night were Israel Adesanya and Brad Tavares. I don't think he's getting Adesanya necessarily, but Tavares is the rank guy, Dean, and the more I researched it this this morning, I, I think you're on to something. I think that fight has legs.
4: Yeah, I think that's the fight that makes sense. I mean, a, a fight with Israel Adesanya, I mean, obviously, they're trying to build him up, and, and it would be right. a, a waste to like put so much into him and then have him lose to a guy like Shoeface. Um, right. <laughs> I, I think a, guy, a fight with Brad Tavares just makes more sense for both of their careers, because the winner is just right at the cusp of, you know, you know, really doing big things. So I think that fight makes sense. I mean, it's a good fight for Shoe Face. Brad DeVars is a tough guy. He just knocked out another one of our teammates and right. Christoph Jocko. But um you know, this that's the game. This is the sport that we play. We live by the sword, we die by the sword. And you gotta take chances and you gotta take opportunities when they
0: well, maybe ATT will get another crack there at Brad Tavoris. So what's what's next on your schedule, man? Are you traveling to Atlantic City this week, or, or you got a little downtime?
4: No, I'm not I'm not headed to Atlantic City this weekend. I am going to Liverpool uh, on the 27th with Jillian Robertson, who fights Molly McCann. And then the weekend after, I'll be in Utica with Jessica Aguilar. She fights uh, Jody Escobar. I got my work cut out for me with um, some pretty tough matchups.
0: All right, man. We'll keep it going. Always good to see you, and uh, we'll see you in Utica, New York, I guess, on June 1st, buddy. I appreciate you hopping on. Guys,
4: thanks.
0: Thanks, Dean. The great Dean Thomas with us on the Anakin Florian podcast. We only book former Florian victims. I'm telling you. We <laughs> book guys that he beat. You will not hear from BJ Penn oh, and man. Jose Aldo and Sean nah. Shirk on the Anakin Florian podcast. It's just what we do. <laughs> So, uh, Ken Flo, I know you didn't see Shoeface's win over Tim Boach, yeah. but I know how familiar you are with him, and yes. I know also how familiar you are with the result that we digested back in March of 2016 when one Daniel Kelly beat Shoeface. Face, yes. to the surprise of a lot of people. And I was on the bus with Shoeface going to the airport after that fight, and it was hard in that moment, even though I think very highly of Antonio Carlos Jr., to think that he was going to vault into middleweight contention because... It just didn't seem after that. You know, there were just some things that night that needed to be addressed. I know there were circumstances. It was Australia. It was an early fight. He gassed all of that. Since, though, he's won five in a row. And when you bring these type of jiu-jitsu credentials with improving hands that are heavy that saw you realize an ultimate fighter title at heavyweight, I think Antonio Carlos Jr. is going to be a problem for a lot of these guys at 85. And I think he matches up favorably with a lot of guys right now in the top ten. He's big for the division,
3: right? Uh, and he does come with some uh, good credentials from Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, I think he is going to have a huge advantage uh, in that division with his Jiu-Jitsu. Um, you know, Besides a guy like a Jacare Souza, for example, but... Um, you know, I, I think that he is improving. And back when he lost to Daniel Kelly, I forget how long he was training in mixed martial arts for, but it was not very long. He hasn't right. been doing this for a very long time. He was very similar to me when I went on the Ultimate Fighter. I, I was basically a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu guy who was like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll try mixed martial arts. We'll see what happens." And, and he is kind of in that same situation. Um, now he's learning the other aspects of the sport. He's learning how to put it all together. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I think he's got a lot of potential in that division.
0: And he just beat a guy who had 23 UFC fights in Tim Boach, and I thought right. Shoeface Face looked very good on the feet. So uh, a big win for Antonio Carlos Jr. Back, though, to the guest line now and joining us is a man who is at the beginning of what is his sixth UFC fight week, UFC heavyweight, the vanilla gorilla Chase Sherman is with us, and he had his pupils dilated within the last hour. So he's a good man for getting on with us today. Good to see you, man. What's going on?
5: What's up, man? I can still see y'all's beautiful faces.
0: <laughs> see, Chase Sherman is not stoned during fight week, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> he just went to the ophthalmologist, all right? <laughs> so are you in New Jersey yet, or are you still home, or what? I'm still at home. i fly out tomorrow. All right, so... This Saturday night, as many of our listeners know, you get Justin Willis, Boardwalk Hall, Atlantic City, New Jersey. This fight, part of the main card on FS1. First, let's just put that Shamil Abdurahimov fight to bed. Obviously, that's the last time we saw you. It was November, Shanghai, China. Um, And I watched it back this morning, man. I mean, you were getting some stuff done on the feet. Obviously, everything you throw is heavy. But what did you take out of not just that fight, but that training camp that you can use now moving forward?
5: Um. You know, I went back and watched the fight as well, man, and um, and I realized I was I was countering with the wrong hand, um, and uh, you know a lot of times he he was throwing that overhand right, and I was like, oh look, the the left side of his face is open, so I would go throw a jab and just get caught with like a, a count, look with the with the right hand, and and um, instead of you know pairing and then countering with the opposite hand, so I, I was like, you know, I gotta get some fundamentals about me. I gotta I gotta. I got to really work on this defense because the offense is there, obviously. Right. Uh, but, uh, so, I uh, got back home and then as soon as I got back home, I, I started working with, uh, um, just a traditional boxing coach here and, um, Biloxi. And, uh, that's really been helping me understand the fundamentals of the striking game, because once you get to this level, you really can't just get away with just, uh, athleticism. You know what I mean? Cause a lot of these fighters are, are, are really intelligent and they'll pick you apart. So, um, that was a goal of mine. And, uh, you know, a lot of stuff from the last camp, man, I, I really didn't get to display um, anything in that fight. So um, we're just kind of carrying that over. You know, ever since I've been with, with Coach Wink and those guys, they've really helped me out. And, um, and you know, it's it's the heavyweight division. You know, sometimes you get in there and, and uh, you get clipped. You know, these are 265-pound grown men with four-ounce gloves right. on, and, and it happens to the best of us. And it's just a learning experience.
3: And, and Shamil's awkward, too. He, he's a guy that's kind of hard to prepare for. But um, for Justin Willis, your, your next fight, uh, how, how have you been preparing for, for Justin?
5: Man, I've been, um, you know, obviously he's a southpaw, so just been working with some good southpaws here in camp. And, then um, and uh, you know, he's got a wrestling background and uh, been working my wrestling, my grappling really diligently even before uh, I got the call, you know, um, I've been trying to uh, implement that into my game a lot more um, with my grappling coaches, being a little bit more disciplined with that. And, uh, you know, a, a, big, a big thing for me was as far as, um, you know, uh, going for takedowns and, and, and things of that nature and engaging in the grappling aspect is because uh, one of the reasons I haven't done it as much as cuz i didn't want to expend a lot of energy trying to try and take these big guys down
1: mm-hmm.
5: and uh, but i was like you know what i need to really uh, implement that faster the game into my um, my fighting so i uh, i was like you know what i need to get i need to get stronger you know that's what i need to do you know i'm not, i'm not a, I'm, i didn't wrestle in high school I didn't wrestle in college so um, what's one thing that I can do? And, and I was like, you know what? Let, let me get back to my football strength. Let me get that explosion and that power back. Let me get back to, uh, you know, being able to manhandle 265, 270-pound men. You know what I mean? Like I used to be able to do. And so I went to a really good um, strength in the conditioning coach. They work with a lot of um, NFL players and a lot of uh, combine guys in uh, Mobile called D1 Gyms. Man, and they've just – really got me back to my to my strength and um it's really it's really helped in the uh, in the grappling aspect as far as if the technique is lacking a little bit then i can use what what i need to use as far as my um strength and conditioning goes
0: chase sherman with us here on the anakin florian podcast fights justin willis this weekend and willis 2-0 in the ufc so i got to think there's some appeal in trying to hand a guy his first ufc loss now you fought four times in 2017 and this will be your first fight of this year. So I guess that's going to be hard to duplicate. Was this the timeline that you were looking for to sort of lick your wounds and have a few months to work on some things? Or, or were you trying to get back in there sooner?
5: Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, all those cards in April came out. So I was like, man, hopefully I can get put on one. Um, okay, yeah. Well, there it, you go. It, it was a little – it was sh- still short notice. You know, they called me like four weeks out. Um, oh, okay. Like, you know, this is, this is what we got. You know, take it or leave it. And since I've been asking for a fight, you know what I mean? I can't just turn it down because I don't want them to sit me on the couch for a while. So,
0: Um,
5: you know, we took the fight and uh, now we got – now we're heading out on Tuesday to get it on.
0: All right, a couple more things before we let you go. I know you've been a guy who has used social media to your advantage. You know, I definitely think you have a voice and a presence and a tone that I think appeals to a lot of people. So how do you feel about your approach compared to, to say, what Colby Covington is doing? Because you guys have about the same number of Twitter followers, and some would suggest, given how much he has put into it, that, you know, he should be hitting six figures and he hasn't necessarily. I mean, what do you, what do you make of that whole social media landscape and, and how you have chosen to, to connect with your fans?
1: Um.
5: I mean, I think it, I think it's just a little bit different in the aspect that, you know, um, he he wants the attention in, in kind of a different limelight. Like, you know what I mean? He, 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 he wants people to, uh, as long as they're talking about him, that's all that matters. You know right, what I mean? Right. They hate him. They hate him. If they love him, they love him. You know what I mean? Me, I'm, I'm just kind of, you know, I try to interact with the fans in, in a different way um, as far as, like, you know, being a little bit more friendly now, if you, if people are trolling me, you know what I mean. I, I I'm kind of have more of a passive aggressive approach. I'm kind of a, a smart ass, right. where where Colby's kind of just an outright dickhead. So, right, right. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> it, it, you know, I, I I don't worry too much about Colby. You know, yeah. I, I know, I know he'll be he'll be watching the fight. So. Yep. I got to make sure I get that W or has is going to be all over my Twitter trolling me. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> You know he will be. All right, so last thing. So good football career in college, by the way, for Chase Sherman. You heard him reference moving 275-pound men earlier. Senior year, Delta State University on the offensive line. Graded out 88%, all South region third team, 14 starts. How much football do you watch these days? I mean, I, I it sounds like you're – Just based upon your social media, you're a big combat sports fan. You're watching all of these UFC fights. Are you watching college football in the NFL? Yeah,
5: man, I dude, I'm like uh, four or five fantasy leagues, man.
0: Oh wow, all about it.
5: Yeah, I, I I I get on my Twitter and I'll talk about you know football but you know most people don't even give a shit you know most people are mma fans so a lot of it doesn't get a lot of hype behind it but i'm a big i'm a big saints fan you know i live about an hour and a half from new orleans so you know we had a great year unfortunately that crazy shit happened in uh minneapolis right and then um you know i watch i watch i watch college football too i kind of i kind of got away from it last year because my team they you know they they didn't do too well. Their, qu- their starting quarterback got hurt, and so I was just kind of like, eh, yeah. whatever. Just yeah. gonna watch NFL yeah. now. Says we're not gonna make the playoffs.
0: But well, yeah, man, I'm, uh, we I'm, love we love my- the uh, the the football players crossing over, man. You know that. So we give a shit about your football career and who you I root appreciate, for.
5: Yeah, uh-huh. man. I think it's a gr- man. I think it's it's a it's a great sport to uh, transition from. You know, being on the offensive line is really helped me with my hand placement it's helped me with my oh, yeah it's helped me with leverage it's helped me with takedown defense um you know what i mean and then just the biggest thing about it is it just gives you that tenacity you know what i mean like a lot of people talk about um wrestlers and wrestling practice and stuff and i'm, I'm i i do not discredit them in any way i'm sure they have you know a hell of a job to do but man when you're in south mississippi and it's 110 degrees outside <laughs> you're two days in full fucking gear you know what I mean? You're banging heads with with with, with 290 pound defensive linemen. Right. It, it's it's pretty it's pretty rough, especially when you're walking through the parking lot with your gear on and you see ambulances already parked on the side waiting for people to have a heat stroke. So.
0: Oh, I believe it, man. Yeah. No, that makes mixed martial arts training sound palatable. All right, Chase Sherman versus Justin Willis. It is this Saturday night on FS1. You can see it as part of the main car beginning at 10 p.m. Eastern. Chase, thank you for the time here, man, especially during Fight Week. We will not see you in Atlantic City, but we'll certainly be watching, bud. Thanks a lot.
5: Hey, y'all aren't coming to Atlantic City? Why not?
0: <laughs> well, we just had the back-to-backs in uh, in Brooklyn and Phoenix, so they try not to have us do three straight, man. So uh, we'll be there in spirit, and you can be <laughs> sure. I'll, I'll be I'll be watching, man. I'll be drinking and watching. Let me have a drink, bro. <laughs> All right,
5: man. All right. Well, I appreciate y'all having uh, me. I want any
0: longer. Thanks Chase, you're the man, good luck Alright, right, there he all is right. UFC <laughs> heavyweight Chase Sherman taking on Justin Willis this Saturday on Fox Sports 1, well UFC fighters are tough, guys like Justin Gaethje just refuse to go down, but you know what else is tough? Toyo Tires, that's why Toyo has been a proud sponsor of the UFC just like the UFC fighters, Toyo Tires are built for battle, it's an all or nothing philosophy, durability, aggressive design, on and off road capabilities yes to all of them Living life on the highway, Toyo has you covered there. Spending some serious time off-road, they have a tire for that, too. No matter what you drive, Toyo has what you need. And frankly, these tires just look cool, too. Any vehicle, every terrain, all or nothing, Toyo tires. So the next time you need tires, ask for Toyo. To experience more, visit toyotires.com slash UFC, toyotires.com slash UFC. All right, let's make some picks. It's the main event challenge. Anik. The time is most definitely now.
1: Florian.
0: I finished fight. I'm
1: going to do everything possible to win. The Main Event Challenge. The John Annick and Kenny Florian podcast.
0: All right, I'm going to try to keep this quick because we have our guest picker on hold, but I just want to set this up because last week Kenny, you may have heard was chasing points a little bit, right? You decided to pick a lot of underdogs because you were staring at a 10-point deficit. So we had a listener reach out And say, why don't you just do the picks according to the exact odds? Meaning, if you pick an underdog that is plus 130, you get like 1.3 points. And the idea has merit. We've talked about this in the past. We haven't done it in part because this contest has come down to the wire in the two years we've done it. It's been very close, so why fix it if it's not broken? It's also a long year, so it doesn't necessarily benefit you to start chasing points. So basically every year we've done this the guy who has picked the most winners overall has won the main event challenge so mm-hmm. i just didn't want to dismiss that idea entirely so i just wanted to mention that gotcha. and, and for ken Flo, hey you want to chase underdogs man i mean hey you're one and one in the main event challenge how you choose to proceed it has nothing to do with with team anik and our stable of guest pickers. Yikes. Yikes. as for the standings it was 40 30 going into ufc glendale you went head-to-head with michael mclaughlin uh you did get him on michelle Waterson, courtney casey he had Cowboy Oliveira. He also had Dustin Poirier by TKO, nearly got the round right as well. So close week. Team Manic takes it 4-3, 44-33, going Oof. into UFC Atlantic City. And with us to make picks today from the state of Maryland, I believe, Emma Derenberger. Emma, appreciate your time today. How are you?
1: Hey, I'm good. How are you guys?
0: Well, we're pumped to have you. And, and yeah. Kenny and I are old at this point, I know. But were, were you were you an MMA fan when when Ken Flo was in his prime?
1: I was, I was actually. He was one of my the first fighters I enjoyed watching. Yeah. <laughs> wow, <laughs> not that young.
3: <laughs> That's funny. Thank we you, did Emma. Not, we did not put her up. to We that, need more female uh, guest pickers, John. This I'm is trying, good. Flo. That's I'm good. Trying. I know. I know. They don't reach
1: and, out. Do. There are podcasts. dozens of us out here.
3: Oh no.
0: AnnickFlorianPodcast at gmail.com if you want to make picks. But we're happy to have Emma today. And let's get to it. Co-main event, Atlantic City, New Jersey. Rematch between a couple of recent T-City victims here, Frankie Edgar and Cub Swanson. Edgar took the first meeting against Cub Swanson. It was a five-round main event. Back in 2014, Frankie submitted Cub with a neck crank with four seconds to go in the fifth and final round. So the second meeting, the odds are as follows. Frankie, minus 225, Cub plus 175 emma the floor is yours who do you like edgar or swanson
1: well it sucks these are two of my favorite fighters i have a cub swanson shirt i wear around um i do think cub has improved a lot since the first fight but i also think frankie hasn't gotten worse and i think his wrestling is still going to overwhelm cub so i gotta pick frankie
0: Emma goes with Frankie Edgar. I just like her tone. I think we're going to have Emma back my, my, maybe yes. even as soon as next week, Kenny. I mean, she could. she's the furthest <laughs> thing from nervous. I mean, you, can't, you can You tell. She ain't nervous at all. Fuck these guys. Oh, uh, Ken flow Frankie Edgar, <laughs> Cub Swanson, man. You know, it's interesting because Frankie, it, it will be seven weeks since the Ortega knockout, but mm-hmm. it's still a decision that surprised a lot of people. Your thoughts on, on Frankie and Cub running it back here Saturday night?
3: Well, Emma's already making me nervous because uh, I, I, I agree. I think Frankie's going to take this – I have a hard time believing that Frankie's going to lose in Jersey uh, after coming off a loss to Ortega. I, I think Frankie is going to be extremely fired up. He had the blueprint on how to beat Cub the first time around. Uh, I don't imagine that he'll do something differently here. And and I do agree with Emma as well that Cub is a different fighter, that he is improved since that first fight against Frankie. But um, I, I think Frankie's going to pull it off again.
0: All right, lightweight main event, close on paper here, according to the odds makers. Kevin Lee holding as the favorite, about minus 140 right now. Edson Barboza, the slight underdog at plus 110. So, Emma, we'll need the round, the method of victory, as well as this is the main event. Who do you think takes it here in Atlantic City, Edson Barboza or the Motown phenom, Kevin
1: Lee? I love both these guys, too, so it's a really hard week for me. But um, I think Edson does have better takedown defense So he showed in the deep fight. But I think Kevin's going to pressure him, take away his kicks, get him down, soften him up with punches, and finish him with a rear naked choke in the fifth round, pretty late.
0: Round five, rear naked choke. Kevin Lee is the pick Mm -hmm. for Emma. Ken Flo, your thoughts on Barboza and Lee coming up. Real quick, before we get there, I just want to point out for Kevin Lee, he is back here for the first time since that October interim title fight with Tony Ferguson. That night, he did have a course, the late Robert Fallis in his corner. So that is part of the challenge here for Kevin Lee moving forward without his chief corner. I thought that was like a perfect yin yang, the two of those. But I know that Kevin Lee has absorbed a lot of that wisdom and is going to take it forward with him, not just Saturday night, yeah. but in his career. So a lot of good was done there, despite the fact that he won't have Robert this weekend. Barboza, of course, Kenny against Khabib didn't have a lot of answers, but certainly proved a lot to a lot of people. Uh, And with that backdrop, we'll need a selection, kid. Who do you like? This
3: is a tough one for me as well. I think Kevin Lee is a smart fighter, and I'm sure he learned a lot in that fight against Tony Ferguson. Um, I think Edson Barbosa is a tremendous striker. Again, this is a home game for him. Um, I think that Kevin Lee does make some mistakes on the feet. Um, I think he's a tough matchup if Kevin can rely heavily on his wrestling uh, and kind of copy a similar blueprint to what habib did i think he can give edson a really tough time and win that fight no doubt about it um but i think edson is the speed advantage i think for edson and just the fact that he could put together some nasty combinations and really hurt you both downstairs with your legs and upstairs or even into the body with that left hook uh, it's going to be tough for Kevin. Um, I'm gonna go with Edson here. They, this is a tough one, but I think Edson wins this one um, in around the third round. Let's go third
0: round three. Mm-hmm. You go on TKO for Edson Barboza. Yeah, Campflow likes that plus money on Edson Barboza. He's just got the poker face mm-hmm. on, but he definitely likes it. All right, quick picks here on the way out, Emma. So at bantamweight, Longo's guy, Aljamain Sterling. So he had that win against Henan Barrow last July. Then he got knocked out in 67 seconds by Marlon Morais. Brett Johns on the other side, 15 and 0. Uh, Which way are you going here, Aljo or Brett Johns?
1: I like Brett Johns for this one.
0: Brett Johns. I like what I saw last fight. Yeah, I'm going to go with Aljo. Aljo. All right, next up, Dan Hooker. Back-to-back finishes for Hooker against Ross Pearson and Marcia Casey, so he gets a bigger name here. New Jersey's own Jim Miller, who will be making his 29th UFC appearance. Emma, Jim Miller, Dan Hooker, who do you like?
1: Breaks my heart, but I'm picking Dan Hooker.
0: Dan Hooker. Kenflow, Dan Hooker, Jim Miller. Who do we who do we back here? Yeah, I gotta go with the hangman on uh, on this one. All right, and then finally, Ryan Laflair returning for the first time since last July when he got knocked out by the aforementioned Alex Cowboy Oliveira here. Laflair draws Kenflow's former teammate Alex Garcia. He had a knockout of the King of Kung Fu, Muslim Salakov, his last time out. Emma, you going Ryan Laflair or Alex Garcia?
1: Alex Garcia for this one.
0: Alex Garcia. Ken flow which way are you going? Garcia Laflair.
3: Yeah, I, I think if Garcia can get his conditioning in check and pace himself for this one, I think Garcia should win.
0: All right, Emma, great job. I wish we had, well, I wouldn't say a bigger card, but we're going to have you back for a pay-per-view, let you go five picks head-to-head against this guy and, and make him pay. Thank you for listening and for uh, for hopping on today. We will definitely have you back before, uh, before the year's out.
1: Sounds great. Thanks, guys.
0: All right, good stuff there from Emma. Frankie Edgar and Kevin Lee interesting main event about where I thought the line would be close to a pick-em fight all right final thoughts on the way out here on this card in Phoenix Arizona Glendale I should say we didn't get a chance to talk about Michelle Watterson and some of the other big winners I just wanted to get your two cents on Israel Adesanya and his split decision win over Marvin Vittori I'm not sure if you saw this again I think there was a lot of good in the fight for Adesanya. He was fighting a a very durable, tough Italian in Marvin Vittori, who has improved his all-around game a lot. Um, And again, I think there's value in these 15 minutes for Adesanya. He didn't get the finish, um, but I was surprised it was split, Kenny. I thought he did enough to win this fight fairly decisively.
3: Yeah, without a doubt. I I don't understand that at all, but um, that's a scary... Scary, scary uh, result there. Uh, thankfully, he was able to get the win. But, yeah, for Israel Adesanya, I, I, he obviously won the first two rounds. The, the fact that there was a judge that thought that maybe he lost one of those rounds is, is pretty scary. Uh, the third round, he did lose, you know. Um, yep. He was taken down, and he definitely showed his vulnerability. I, I mentioned that last week. I said that's what kind of concerns me is the fact that Martin Vittori, if he does get him down, can do some serious damage, potentially submit him. But um, I think Vittori was a little bit too tired, um, a little bit too beat up to really do much to Israel down there. Israel's going to have to get better takedown defense. He's going to have to get better jiu-jitsu, period. That, that's what he should yeah. be working on. Um, he also needs to perhaps stop putting so much pressure on himself to look good or get this flashy knockout. Or He just needs to go out there and just fight. Just stick right. to what he's doing. Don't try to put on a show. Just... Fight, see what's in front of you, and, and, and take him out. Um, right. On the feet, he's going to be a problem for anyone. Uh, he, he, he busted up Vittori pretty good on the feet, man.
0: Yeah. And the Karate Hottie looked great against Courtney Casey. She wanted the challenge of, of fighting a bigger, stronger opponent. She got it, and I thought she won that fight. Split decision for her. Yes. We mentioned Antonio Carlos Jr., big win for the King of Kung Fu. Muslim Salikov gets his first UFC win. John Moraga continues to show a second version and and move him himself up the ladder, at least into the top seven at flyweight. Um, Yushin Okami with a win. Adam Vichoric, the Polish kid, with a... Oma Plata, just the second in UFC history, Gilbert Burns with a massive knockout on UFC Fight Pass, which really, I think, stamps him as somebody to keep an eye on at 55. And then finally, Lauren Mueller uh, in the women's flyweight division, one of the better women, I think, to come out of Alliance MMA. And this was her debut, nicely done over Shauna Dobson. I think Lauren Mueller can really turn into something. She's just getting started. So 14 fights. It was a scary proposition for broadcasters going in to prep for 28 fighters, but Fighters delivered, as usual, one of the best domestic crowds I have ever heard there in Glendale, Arizona. So another big Fox UFC fight night is in the books. Atlantic City, New Jersey, this Saturday night on FS1. Also, don't forget, if you're in the Southern California area and you like Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I am not one of those people. I do not like Brazilian (laughs) jiu-jitsu. But if you are one of those people, uh, may Rocky BJJ, BJJ mayrockybjj.com, M-E-R-A-K-I. I, I don't know how many times I have to plug this school to get a T-shirt in the mail. I know, jeez, podcast. Yeah, my parents um, have been but,
3: hassling as well. I, I got to get you. I will send you one out. Thank you so much, my man.
0: Um, it, and it is two oh nine. Every time I look at the clock, it is two oh nine. You know, I don't know if that's a coincidence or not. Um, Thank you all for listening. Thank you to our guests, Chase Sherman, Dean Thomas, Ray Longo, Emma on the picks, who did fabulously. Uh, Next week, we are back. We'll recap the Atlantic City show and begin to look at UFC 224, which is Nunes versus Pennington May 12th in Rio de Janeiro. And speaking of which, Ken Flo, Mm. I got to go get these shots. Ready? What do you got? Hepatitis A, typhoid, hepatitis B, malaria, and yellow fucking fever.
3: Yellow fever. Jesus. If malaria. my wife wasn't
0: pregnant, I'd probably take the risk, but I can't be bringing yellow fever back to Boca Raton, Florida. So right,
3: you can... and you're talking about actual, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's not good. That's not. I got
0: to toughen man. up. Like that malaria, good. like if you die from malaria, I mean, or yellow fever, like come on. But well, then it would just be the Kenny Florian podcast, that and would then be you guys bad. would really be off and running. Yeah,
3: you know? <laughs> that would be bad, dude. We can't have that.
0: All right. Thank you all for listening, uh, indulging us as usual. We love you. Uh, at Anik Florian Pod on Twitter, if you have guest suggestions, we will take them with that for Ken Flo and our fine crew, Ben Wasorik, and the rest. Thank you all. We will talk to you next Monday. Until then, you'll later.
1: The John Anik and Kenny Florian
0: Podcast.
1: Network's wagering week help your bottom line.
0: Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family-owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024. Proximo Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.